one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Sidgwick from What Culture. We are two-thirds of the Dadly Boys of What Culture, here to review this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm. All big start tomorrow. Raw review. It might be live or not, I'm not sure. Um, but the Raw Review video podcast will go out on our What Culture Wrestling podcast YouTube channel. Don't worry if you're just a fan of the audio stuff, though. That is not going to change whatsoever. Uh, because we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AW Collision, but also AW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. The bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. I've got to be honest, Sidge. I feel a little bit stupid after our review on our preview on Friday now because we were like, "Well, nothing's going to happen on this show." Aye, I, I wasn't to know. We weren't to know, no. and it certainly wouldn't have been in the normal plans. And I we weren't to know about uh, Brian Danielson versus Carl Fletcher. Maybe announce that. Yeah, and I, maybe I got really excited. Yeah, about that, and it <laughs> informed my optimism ahead of the preview. Um, no, general thoughts were pretty much a very, very, very good episode of TV. Mm. On a wider macro level, I still kind of resent the existence of Collision. Mm. I've said this before, just to clarify, I am going to say it again. If someone had offered me two more hours of AEW television in February 2020, mm-hmm. when I was never higher on that promotion, with the promise that you're just going to get more of the same brilliance, yeah, it's going to maintain the quality level, you're just getting more of what you love, I would have went, I'm good. I am good. <laughs> I just want this elusive premium thing that I can anticipate. Um, look, this sort of imminent content farm era yields some great stuff, and there was some great stuff on this show, but my God, it was WCW 2000 lighting. <laughs> that WCW, that unmistakable, bleak WCW 2000 ambience where this is louder, and obviously it can, like, infinitely better show but it's just not hot, and it's caps at an eight. There was a bit where, oh, it was the opening bit. It was Ricky Starks doing his entrance thing. And I was like, don't shoot it like that. Don't see all the empty seats behind you. Yeah, do not shoot it like that, but that's the thing. You can't not. There Mm. are certain smoke and mirrors tricks that a, a, a director can employ when they're shooting wrestling on TV. And if they can't, like, you know, you'll see the, and we're back here. And there's half the arena <laughs> going crazy. And the other, don't worry about the other half. We're not going to show you, so it doesn't exist. 
there's only so much you can do mm. when the attendances are, are this brutal. But hopefully, con- with content like this, content with shows like this, it'll pick up because I, I really enjoyed this show. Some awesome stuff on it. Yeah, the you know, we, like you say, we didn't have a chance to to get excited or to look forward to uh, Danielson versus Fletcher, but I was blown away by that. Um, r- really looking forward to talking about it. But let's dive straight into it with the uh, the opening match. And I thought, oh, it's a bit weird. They're putting the tag titles on first. I thought, like, you know, semi-main. You've got Adam Copeland obviously showing up. He's going to be the last thing on the show. But semi-main, relatively straightforward title retention. Maybe we talked about any, uh, some interaction with the Young Bucks. And um, Nope. No, completely wrong. Uh, because it was FTR versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill uh, for the AW tag titles. And, uh, yeah, they immediately jump FTR, who... I hopefully have got some sort of bulk deal on Kinesio tape because they were just held together yeah. by it. Um, they they did lay out the fact, obviously, that they'd suffered injuries at the hands of Aussie Open at Wrestle Dream. But I just saw one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's FTR. They're going to hold the tag titles. We're doing Young Bucks FTR 4, would it be? Would it be 4, yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Because, uh, yeah, Starks jumps Harwood at the bell. Uh, Wheeler gets knocked off the apron. Uh, Harwood gets posted. Um there's a tornado DDT in there, and the doctor's checking on Wheeler. Uh, and they reiterate he's got a fractured rib. Um, Big Bill comes in. That's the last thing you want to see when you're already suffering from injuries. Boots Harwood uh, out to the floor. And Starks is, Starks is directing traffic throughout this. Well, I would say it's throughout this. It's about four minutes long, this match. It yeah. felt. He's just like, right, kill him now. And he gets Wheeler, choke slams him through the announce table. He's completely out of the match. It's the wonderful in-between of your favorite table spot and a normal table spot where it doesn't break and then it just does. Yeah, it just explodes. It's like it, you get the explosion and that brutal impact of a like a really harsh landing. Uh, the shockwave of the impact then sends reverberations. Oh, couldn't have done it better if they tried it a hundred more times. Howard did get a bit of offense in. He tried for a sharpshooter, turned around into a big boot by Bill again, uh, who choke slams him, goes to the cover, and Ricky Starks is like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. another one. Like DJ Khaled on the ring apron or something. And he hits him with another one. He's like, that's another harsh, one. That's harsh on Starks, like. <laughs> uh, and he hit three in total at this point, and Starks is like, come on, bring me in. And he does, spears him. One, two, three, a shocking result. FTR semi-squashed here, and your new tag team champions, Ricky's dog, meal, meal. Class. Yeah, absolutely class. The absolute best way to drop it because cash, and it's weird wrestling, like, are you clear to take that or not if you're injured enough to drop a title? Not for me to say, um, but... Apparently Dax Harwood, my sources have told me, Dax Harwood actually asked about that doing that sort of thing. He said, I ain't no doctor. So, you know. <laughs> well, I'm no doctor either, so I cannot tell whether it was the correct or well-advised thing to do, but regardless, they did it. It was weird. Like, I thought, what a unique structure to this match. Mm. What a really hot start. Like, Dax fighting from underneath, Cash very slowly getting back into it. This is a really cool way of doing it. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they're just on the title switch. Then you immediately think, is he going to jail? Or is he just completely, like, destroyed? Yeah. Or, you know, you think that there's something going to miss here. I had the first thought, right, prove, proven to be incorrect. Apparently Cash is injured enough to 
have to have had to vacate the titles. My initial feeling was, what a great bit of booking, because ahead of title Tuesday, I thought they'd book this result with the idea being, you know, there might be another title switch if you tune in for title Tuesday. Watch yeah. that instead of NXT. <laughs> I thought they were trying to set a precedent with the idea being that, you know, they could always swap the titles back in three or four weeks. But no, apparently not. Um, tell you what, like, even though this was an enforced set of circumstances, like, I'd be bang up for more of this. Yeah. Like, a total bold from the blue title switch because AEW Dynamite, ah, I feel harsh in a way because it's just the, the standard at its best. We're spoiled, aren't we? Yeah, we're spoiled, exactly. We are so spoiled. And you can almost direct... 100 criticism to AEW. Oh, that's why it's not perfect. That's why it's not amazing. That's why it's not transcendent. And one of them is, the only title they seem to do this with is the TNT. Mm -hmm. But just to be a really spoiled arsehole, they do that one too often. <laughs> yeah. And to the point where it's not, it's no longer expected. It's no longer a shock when mm. an unexpected, in air quotes, switch happens. But no, this obviously wasn't, you know, the plan. But what a great way of doing it. And just on a note, Big Bill. Oh. Like, oh my God. when he first came in, and it wasn't his fault, and again, we've said this a million times, like, you, you, you assemble this talent roster, and you've got some of the greatest of all time who are somehow still performing at the highest level. You think, realistically, how much more do you need? It is subtraction by addition. Yeah where it's like you're just signing someone, yet another person you can't beat. And that amplifies the other problems where this person who you've just signed and you don't want to beat, but they don't really want to strap them up yet, they just do things and win against, you know, Bobby Fish or Tony Nese, and it's not tremendously exciting, but you've got this situation now where your roster's too big and you have to carefully manage it and carefully just becomes boring. And then when W. Morrissey, remember that? It doesn't even feel oh, like he yeah. was called that. Because he's he's transformed himself to such an extent that you cannot believe he gave himself that terrible name once upon a time. <laughs> when they brought him and I'm thinking, nice for him, good for him. Yeah. Really sort of um, stirring comeback story. Like a really nice human interest story where, you know, you can just really reach the gutter and then come back. Like, I love that for him, but I didn't necessarily, if I'm being brutally honest, need to see him on TV. You're looking around and going, we've got a lot of big guys thanks there's a lot of big guys there's a lot of stars there's yet more people that you don't want to beat and now he's not going to get beat that often and then he's just become one of my favorite parts of this promotion just an unbelievable heel he's brought his working boots he's so formidable he's so entertaining like what a character he is like what a wrestler he's turned into and i just i'm over the moon for him yeah and Ricky Starks And he's as done well. it in multiple teams as well. It's not just, you know, with Ricky. He's done it with uh, Brian Cage, of course. Been, can you be in contention for Best Tag Team of the Year award in a single year twice? <laughs> because Starks and Big Bill are a great team, and I love the fact that they've just allowed them to have this reign and might not even be his best tag team of the year. <laughs> Delighted for Big Bill. Uh, Ricky Starks definitely now was the time to give him something substantial. Agree, yeah. And those AW World Tag Team titles are one of the most protected titles in all of wrestling, and some of the best matches in all of wrestling have been contested for it, and I really take it seriously as a prize, and so do AEW. So I'm absolutely delighted for the pair of them, and it was about time. It's, all, it's worked out very fortuitously, like... 
Ricky Starks was on that threshold, and we've been there so often with so many AEW talents. Where it's like, how much do you like them, Tony Khan? Like, how much are you getting behind them? How much am I meant to feel for them? And you know, like, it sucks for FTR, but you know, it just it was time to do something with Starks that felt real and tangible. And you don't get more real or tangible than a than a title belt. Yeah, and I think, like you say, uh, get well soon. Obviously, Cash Wheeler, but uh, doing this now buys you, I'd say, six months. Because the amount of times we'd sit here and I'd have on my notes like three title matches on Collision, and I'd just go, "What do you reckon?" You'd go, "Retention, retention, retention." Yeah, great. But now, like I say, other than the TNT title, where you'd always be like, "Oh, maybe this is the week that Cassidy, you know, he's held together with tape as well, a bit like FTR were." Uh, maybe finally just crumbles. Whereas now you've got like, well, anyone can come in and, and make make use of any weaknesses that their opponents have. And I think I didn't have like apprehensions when they put Big Bill with Ricky Starks, but I did just think, what are we doing here? Because like Ricky Starks is a great talker, but he's also a great wrestler and he's already a great <laughs> house heel, so he doesn't need a heater necessarily. But now you know, I was like, I'll write down his sweat. I'm gonna write it down, yeah, before, before I forget. But now. I'm like, well, this works great, and I'm a lot less confident in the Young Bucks winning the titles now. Funny you should say that, because I think it's Starks is too good and charismatic for his own good, because this is the sort of thing that people will think, fair play to him, he deserves it. I like Ricky Starks. He's so much better as a heel, but he's so good and so entertaining as a heel that people are drawn to him, and then he turns babyface, and it's never quite as good. Um, and the Young Bucks where they are at in their careers, it's going to be... I think they'll get booed. Really? And they're going to have this tag team match. They're going yeah. to have to. They've yeah, established yeah. that they're the number one contenders. A big pay-per-view uh, match was dedicated for that entire purpose. Do you risk, do you do a double turn? Because yeah, the books have been heavily teasing a, a heel turn, so who the hell knows? But it's really, truly fascinating. Whatever happens, give me my new tag champions photo shoot by next week, please. Can you oh, imagine yeah, yeah. that? I mean, Ricky Starks on his own is good enough, but big real. Maged. And that was following me, yeah, by uh, Carl Kofflicher versus Brian Danielson, featuring Nigel McGuinness on a campaign against Brian Danielson on commentary. Brittle Brian, I certainly picked out. Yes. And any opportunity you get, he'd just stick the boot in for, oh, uh, that wasn't that good, actually. Uh, or, oh, he should be doing this. And he's getting, what are you talking about, Nigel? He, that's a, that's a, he's a good guy. Nah, nah, he's a bastard, and he should be doing this, actually. Yes. Uh, wonderful to hear Ian Riccoboni back as well. Yeah. Um, nice outfit as well. He's wearing. Oh, he's well-dressed. Oh, yeah. Um, so Fletcher initially... Uh, taking on this young stud. I think that's what Danielson called him in the intro video package thing. Overpowers him. Uh, shoulder block, kick to the spine. And McGuinness is like, mm, he's buggered because he's old and crap and broken down. Um, they go back and forth. Danielson gets booted out to the floor. Um, and Fletcher hit this insane suicide dive oh my to take God. us to a break. Thought it was too good because he took control afterwards. Yeah. That was the one flaw in this match for me, but sorry, I've I've stepped on your dick. I think, I think in uh, in AEW, if you're going to be like, I'm going to do a suicide dive, that's a high bar to clear. Yeah, you know, in WWE, it's like Seth Rollins comes out and just sort of high fives people. Yeah, and then you're like, right, the bar here is Darby Allen, so good luck. Yeah, good luck. 
And when um, CM Punk said everyone should retire it, then he started doing it, and then he injured himself. So Danielson, after the break, comes back, uh, hits a hurricane runner off the top rope, uh, running drop kicks, but Fletcher comes back with a Yakuza kick and a brain buster for a near fall. This is awesome. Chance going it is on. awesome. Yeah. That brain buster looked, dis- especially with Danielson's yeah. neck and head injury issues. Um, as if that wasn't bad enough, Fletcher then hits a jumping kick to the back of Danielson's head. Uh, Danielson gets out of like a twisting tombstone thingy. Uh, runs into a falcon arrow, though. Two count for it, Fletcher. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. And a nasty-looking dragon sleeper as well from, from Fletcher. Uh Oh, my God. I told a great story of, you know, Danielson's technical ability was showcased brilliantly, obviously, against ZSJ. And Flesher does this, but he doesn't quite do the uh, the body triangle, I believe it's called. So Danielson can just sort of just scoot around like his little creepy-crawly Brock Lesnar stuff. Get his leg onto the ropes. Yeah. Um, so they go back up to the top rope. Um, bit of battle up there. Hammer, hammer and anvil elbows. Fletcher hits a reverse superplex and transitions into the Dragon Sleeper again. Oh, my God. Um, and then Danielson's just, he's in real trouble, but he slips out, gets him in the European clutch and gets the pinfall victory. Sort of steals one, arguably, against Carl Fletcher. Afterwards, the Gates of Agony come in and jump Danielson. Obviously, he's facing Swerve on Title Tuesday uh, this week. Um, but here comes the BCC to make the save. There's an attempt at a big swing, but uh, the Gates of Agony bail. and The BCC take us to break. Uh, I'm running out of words to put over Brian Danielson. Quite good, yeah. Uh, God, I'm we're just I'm blessed to live in the same timeline as the greatest. It is the uh, I always forget the phrase. You're far better at me than this. It is the oh, I wish I was in the wish I was told I was in the good times. The bit from the office, but we have been told we've been told you've got a year left. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Like Brian Danielson's just I uh, I think he's the best to ever do this. Kenny Omega will do another purple patch. Yeah. And I might change my mind. But for now, like, oh, my God. For four years, to the point maybe of diminishing returns, almost becoming counterproductive, where the AWTV matches a certain formula. And again, like, after, f- I think it's just a bit of a four-year itch with AEW, where so many of the things that they've done since day one are now starting to be a little bit over-familiar, are now starting to lose their potency. Mm. And certain wrestlers feel like they've kind of been there for a long time, and I wouldn't... I don't think the product would lose anything if someone like, I don't know, Chris Jericho went away for six months. Yeah, right? Mox, arguably. Mox as well. Like, we have reached that four-year point where it's a culmination of a lot of things, I think, that are driving this really complex period in which domestic business is really soft ticket sales are just pretty atrocious the general vibe feels very familiar of course this we've said right at the start of this podcast we're spoiled it's been so good Mm -hmm. for so long and one of the things that AEW has been doing for four years and it's starting to lose its potency is it's almost standard in-house approach to the tv wrestling match where you have a top star Danielson at Jericho or Moxley, and they wrestle someone who's either solid mid-card act, Matt Seidel, like a really cool, beloved veteran, Dustin Rhodes, yeah. or an emerging up-and-comer, like Commander, for example. Yeah. And that's the three 
Those are, generally speaking, the three archetypes of characters that Tony Khan likes to beat. But you get a 10 to 15 minute back and forth where the goal is we should give the person who loses something so that when they inevitably get get beat by the top star, they can go into their next match with a bit of credibility. Mm. It's meant to be the sort of ecosystem. It's yet another thing now in AEW. And this is not this bit isn't really their fault. It's how you meant to do things. It's just there is too much of a there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Mm. This is one of them. It's a very bold, noble thing to do. But I if you do anything to excess, anything, it loses its appeal. And this TV match, this in-house TV match and the dynamic of it is starting to lose something and defeats the object when what are these wrestlers who lose narrowly really getting out of it realistically what did commander get out of losing against john moxley and john moxley giving him loads like we've just it's been taken too yeah, far. yeah. brian danielson <laughs> is so great that he can transcend familiarity he can transcend and make effective again the kind of thing you see every single week and have done for what 220 weeks straight at this point uh, oh my God, there are moments in this match where I think he's lost, Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you what, obviously it was by accident more so than by design, but I thought it was this really good bit of narrative sequencing where you establish that any result can happen on this night, and when you do Danielson versus Fletcher immediately after that huge shocking opener, and Fletcher does that, like, in particular, that incredible suplex that leads into the Dragon Sleeper, and you think oh my God, he's going to beat Danielson. And you do the um, that Michinoku driver where it's like he's planted his head. You think, oh, that's the three. There's something about Danielson that is so magical when he's in that ring that it doesn't feel like this studied sort of forward thinking, give the opponents something and then beat them. It never feels like that. Mm. It feels like he's just squeaked by. You squeaked by, like, imagine it's a football match and it's 2-1 and and you're winning 2-1 and it reaches that horrible point in the match when it's 65 minutes Mm -hmm. and they start getting a little bit scared and they start passing it around and they don't want to expose themselves at the back by going forward because you're running the risk of an equalizer. But then by doing so, you're just inviting pressure mm. and the other team gets a chance. chance. It's 2-1. It's 2-1, but it's a one-goal cushion. And you know, like the slightest defensive error, you could just concede and you've just drawn a game where you should have got three points. That feeling of, oh, don't, don't. <laughs> you need to do something now. Otherwise, and you bottle it and you hate your life for 25 minutes. And that was the story of this match. It's like, if you make any more mistakes, you could this up. Yeah. I always, he just made Fletcher feel dangerous, made him, like, made him feel like a massive deal. He was, like, much better than he is, and he's still unbelievable as a talent, Fletcher. And then, as you say, like, it's the final whistle of the, oh, God, thank God. You can barely enjoy it. Yeah. You can barely enjoy it. It feels so much more like a relief than, like, this victory you can pump your fist over, and Danielson is just, like, God, if he could, if it was just called the Brian Danielson two-hour show, <laughs> he could do this for two hours, you, you're looking at, oh, he's just the best. Yeah. He's just the absolute best. The most true thing in the world that William Regal ever said, 
was that Brian Danielson's a wrestler I should have been. That's not true, actually, <laughs> because Brian Danielson is probably 50 times the work that William Regal ever was. He's, and that's not really a slight on Regal. I do think it's a bit arrogant on Regal's part to say that he was could have been in the same conversation. So few wrestlers are. Brian Danielson just, he creates drama out of nothing mm. when he has no right to do it. And yet, he still comes off as a guy who you can't beat. Yeah, I moan about he still them. comes off as this invincible guy that you can't win against. I moan about them not announcing this prior to our preview on Friday. And that's the way they do it, obviously, with, with Rampage being on Friday as well. It's just something we're stuck with. But I also am a hypocrite because if we'd have had that, I'd have gone, this will be a fun little match, won't it, Sage? I mean, Danielson's not losing. So they would never have previewed yeah. a story that they told like this. So, yeah, once again, hot, hot take. Brian Danielson, uh, a revelation yet again in AEW. God, I just... This run has been everything he could have possibly hoped for mm. and about a, a million times more. Watching something special is the absolute greatest. And what I love about this as well, sneak peek, right? I've just um, submitted an article, 10 wrestling goats with one fatal flaw. Bit of a spoiler, Danielson's on there. And his fatal flaw is that, you know when, especially in the social media age, you can't really separate the art from the artist mm. and your real life perception of a performer like informs what you think of them. Yeah. Like there are wrestlers who I think are dicks because I know too much about them and I've heard too much of the drivel I've come out with to the point where I actually like them a little bit less in the ring mm. because I kind of know what they're like. Danielson has spoken so freely about how Oh, he's not that ambitious. and He's happy just to, to wrestle. He doesn't really want to be the top guy and be the ace of a company. He doesn't have that, like, shock in him where he just wants to be that guy. And I kind of wish he was. <laughs> and that's yeah. his flaw. It's like whenever he's in a big top-line program, I'm just thinking, oh, I can't. I just know you don't want to win. I, I know you don't want to win because you've told me outside yeah. of the fiction that you just don't really fancy it. I'm hoping this last run... The, the story of which is, now I'm going to show it now. If I've got a year left, I'm just going to be the king. I, I really hope because he'd just be the absolute undisputed great. If you can get rid of that one thing where it's like, oh, he just doesn't want to be the guy. Mm. Why not? <laughs> you should be. You're Danielson. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, we get a recap of the uh, title change. Tony Schiavone's backstage with the new tag champs. Big wheel. Ricky Starks. Bill says, uh, we beat this so-called best tag team in the world. Uh, it's nice now that real stars are tag team champions. Starks gets ahead of any kind of rematch of FTR saying, no, that's not happening. Uh, we are the faces of collision and the new top dogs around AEW. Top dogs, out. <laughs> <laughs> then it was time uh, for uh, Bullet Club Gold Juice Robinson and the Guns with JY and Cardblade. The bing, bing, bing. The bing, bing, bing. Versus the team of Metalik, Gravity, and Angelico. Still Smint. accepting sponsors. Smint tie. <laughs> well, they're not called Smints. Oh. Because they are an Aldi knockoff of Smints, right? Smints. It's time to play the game! Time to play time the to play game! game. What are the name of the Aldi knockoff Smints? Clue, there's a pun. Oh! It's a pun. Uh, right, because I was just going to say, like, mint cubes. You know when they just go, like, the most... Ba- ba- root like, one. Absolute yeah. root one. So, like, we can't use pampers, so we have to call them baby nappies with the face on that looks similar to, you know... The best example, that's ridiculous, is... <laughs> Dr. Pepper yes. is Professor Poppy. <laughs> Sounds like a WWE scripted promo. That yeah. Dr. Pepper, more like Professor Poppy. <laughs> um, mint, mint, mint. Uh, pun, pun, pun. Uh, mint in your eye, like glint in your eye. <laughs> Terrible. Wilborn, if I was going to say that you are exceptional at your job. Thank you very much. As a host at podcasting, you're a wonderful broadcaster, and I get reminded of this every single time I'm installed as host, I would be paying you a compliment. Oh, great. Great. Fantastic work. I want to get some of them. They're fantastic. Um, yeah, I'll go with. Sorry, I got a text. Right. And I'm waiting for a text as well. I, I want to get your thoughts before we get into this match on uh, Jay White carrying the world title around. Because I know it's a sort of age-old thing. Heel steals world title with that, despite not winning Ugh, it. Yeah. What do you think of all this? Especially uh, with him putting out... Uh, we'll talk about the match in a second, but him putting out a title eliminator match with Hangman Page, despite the fact he's not champion. It never works. I don't think, oh, you don't be- that doesn't belong to you. And let's <laughs> never think that. It's like, it's so hard to get heat or to like, you know, be a heel now. Because like whenever I see a DQ finish, I never think, oh, you bastard for yeah. cheating. I just think, you coward, you booker. You, you lazy I mean? bastard. You lazy yeah. bastard booker with your cheap devices. So no, it is hard. It's not reworking really for me. I thought Jay White's promo was great. And I liked 
This is a good way. You know how last year they got really one-dimensional and one note with uh, the JAS versus the BCC and the Outcasts versus the Homegrowns, whereas like the baby faces were sticking up for the honour of AEW mm. and that horrible sports entertainment. And I'm like, I don't care about that. It's so much better when you just tell better stories. Yes. That's a better flex than saying WWE bad. Um, Jay White with just total disdain going, what are they, Eliminators? I was like, you dick. Yeah. You arsehole. You know exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, so I thought I thought Jay White's promo was really good. I'll tell you what else. This was match really, kind of annoyed me, though. It was really good. It was uh, Austin Gunn doing gravity. And then you're smacking him right in the face. I hate this. But I'll, I don't want to piss on your chips. Will, uh, I'm sorry. Juice Robinson's the best. He comes in. Eliminator! <laughs> He's the one who said that. Yeah. He uh, eats a reverse sling blade from uh, Metalik. Uh, Robinson eventually hits a big knee, uh, and Colton Gunn comes comes in here, hits a drop kick, takes to a break, and we come back. And Helico, WCPW legend, runs wild. It was nice to see him doing this. Uh, he put both guns in submission holds, and then Juice Robinson ran in and just went, "Take your head off!" With the left hand of God, punch to the face. Gravity sends Robinson out to the floor, um, but uh, one of the guns makes, stops him from doing that springboard moonsault of his. Melly gets outnumbered, 310 to Yuma, uh, and then Robinson hits that DDT of his for the one, two, three. I mean, it's a good job this existed for the Bullet Club to be obnoxious, and you weren't meant to take any of the baby faces seriously, and it's a good job they're not going to get pushed after this, or you meant to take them seriously, because I, I just resented gravity. I became Michael Hamlet watching AEW when I saw this match. I'm like, oh, for God, just give over with this. What is gravity and what's he trying to do? I do not like it. I think it's actually actively stupid where the appetite to bury AEW, you're going to get dickhead circles, Raj Geary's and all the rest of it on Twitter. But, like, the actual appetite to bury this promotion just no longer exists because if it did on any sort of big scale, like, gravity would be getting, like, put underground (laughs) because, cast your mind back, and I hate to do this, the Orange Cassidy discourse where it's like, he doesn't take it seriously, he wrestles with his hands in his pockets, he does things in slow motion, and it's like, right, first of all, use your head. He's not going to wrestle in slow motion on TNT, um, when it's meant to be taken seriously as a cable TV concern, he's obviously going to adapt his act. The question isn't whether he's going to disgrace wrestling as a traditional form or whatever. Um, it's whether he can adjust. He's going to try, but can he? Yes, he did. He was a brilliant. He got over. It's, uh, it's discourse that's a million years old. He put his hands in his pockets and did the kicks. It's like a chess move to try and bait people into attacking it's a him. Yeah. And then he would roll through and try and hit them and all the rest of it. Gravity deserves to get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking he that. deserves to get punched in the face. Like, what is someone explain gravity to me like I'm five? <laughs> because it's not like such a cool meme thing online where people are jumping all over themselves. To try and like post the MP4s of how cool, how funny is this? He's not, he's in slow mo. It's like he's on the moon. Like, I don't think anyone's found it particularly endearing. Um, Cassidy, like, it's just, it was a good side gag. 
emulated combat athlete is lazy and doesn't want to fight. That's there's a joke there. Uh, what is this? <laughs> it was it was a fun little. It's pack and gravity. And that uh, was it for me. I just, but this is his act. His act is he walks incredibly slowly, and then the baby faces punch him, in, and then the heels punch him in I the was, face. I mean, I'm always rooting for the guns, but I was particularly rooting for Austin Gun in that moment. I, I just, just you. I don't get it. And he botched pretty horrendously on a dive to the. It was a terrible line for gravity. Do not remotely. I, I get. I, I don't want to be Rip Rogers, but I get it. Watching that, I've never wanted to be that guy who was like, you know, the thing about this wrestling is that it makes no sense. I've got a weird amount of latitude for the in-ring part of it, whereas when I see the TV format, the unscripted, pro, uh, the invisible camera, I'm like, that's wrong. Weirdly, like wrestling for me has never been logical. It always, yeah, yeah. it always for me has worked on this weird. No one can define it really. Emotional logic where. My wife will watch me watching wrestling, and like you know when you say, "Oh, don't let a family member in the room mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. such an act is on, or the Undertaker's doing his spooky powers or whatever." I can't watch it in front of my wife ever <laughs> because you're either wired to like wrestling or you're not. Paul Heyman said that you either get it or you don't. When you watch it with someone who isn't just does not get it and does not want to get it, like my wife, she laughs at selling. She laughs at it. Even great selling, she will just laugh at it. Like, so I've never been really, when it comes to the in-ring, oh, that makes no sense, because literally none of it does, mm. realistically. I, I do not get this at all. I get the logic of, say someone's doing a dive. I can imagine being frozen in, frozen in fear, knowing that something's going to land on me. Like, it's a cliche of how many times have you seen something coming, like a door that you stubbed your toe on, but you cannot register it. You just wait for it to come or whatever. And what is this gravity character? <laughs> I think it is so unbelievably stupid. What's stopping anyone from just smacking them? Super kick, thrust kick, forearm, headbutt. Yeah. It's so stupid. And like, you're not meant to be wanting the baby face to get punched. No. You're not meant to be watching the baby face get punched. So you deserve that. You're fucking around like an idiot. You are fucking around and you're going to find out. Yeah. You're not on the fucking moon. Uh, you're not on the fucking moon to start wrestling. I just got really wound up watching this whole bloody thing. So Jay White goes to the promo afterwards, says uh, MJF AW needs a world champion that's truly elite. I'm here, you're not. Maybe you're at home nursing your or Adam Cole's injuries. Uh, champions defend their titles, and I'm going to defend this against Hangman Page on Tuesday on Dynamite. Um, yeah, what is it? Eliminator! Yeah, Eliminator! Uh, why don't you sit back, MJF, and watch as a real champion takes care of on Dynamite. Main event level promo in front of a TNA crowd, which never helps. Um, such a good rat's face. It's like a little horrible, smug, sneaky rat. I'm all about Jay White. Have been for some time. Um, this is really good, but how good or big could it possibly be against that backdrop? Mm. Like he's trying to sell you on the fact that he's the world champion elect for all elite wrestling, and it's just bleak, man. That backdrop is bleak and hard to do anything with. Uh, get a video promo on Nick Wayne, or from with Nick Wayne. Uh, talks about his history with Darby Allen, known him since he was eight, but then he deserted him when he was 11, bailed on him. Uh, he lived in his shadow, um, just like 
Christian Cage has to live in Adam Copeland's shadow. Um, but uh, he says that Christian's become the father figure he always needed, uh, and he turned his back on Derby the same way Derby turned his back on him. Ah, good fair, justification. Good justification, good character motive. Um, it's weird. It's, it does seem rushed. Like, surely, the idea for me anyway would have been Nick Wayne's not going to be a TNT or an international champion for like two or three years. It just seems weird that you didn't get the crowd like really on board with them for it to feel like this, re- oh, what are you doing sort of thing. A good, a rushed version of a good thing. Mm. Um, oh God, this is like the second or third time in a row that I've written down AW Trios match, and I genuinely... Oh, God. I, oh, my God. I genuinely don't know if there was a title on the line here, but regardless, it was the Acclaimed versus the Iron Savages. There's a good bit of fun with Boulder and Bronson and Jack Jameson. Uh, and the, the neat outrunners. I'm sorry they're not. There's a pose-off with Billy Gunn to start us off. A triple-team Gunn. Gunn gets to Bowens. Bowens and Gunn uh, hit a double-team elbow for a near fall. Uh, we get a break. We come back. Bowens dodges a boulder moonsault, gets Caster in. Caster runs wild. Uh, Death Valley drivers left, right, and center. Uh, boulder and Bronson come back with a double spine buster for a near fall. He goes, boulder, boulder does, for a double suplex on Gunn and Caster. They reverse it, though. Sesame Timbers, acclaim to fame, mic drop one, two, three. I got so annoyed. Like, I'm watching this on Saturday night. Uh, spoiler alert, I fell asleep, so I had to watch it again. <laughs> I fell asleep um, during the Bing Bing Ging match. So I watched it all. I watched the last hour and a half basically last night. Oh, God, man. I just was like, oh, this is really good. Ah, I could do without gravity. That's a nice promo from Jay White. Right. What's next? And coming, after, coming up after this break, the acclaimed in action. Oh, God. Why? I just got so bored and numb at the prospect. But I thought, <gasps> Oh, you know what this means? That means there's six minutes of TV, including the entrance, that I can just skip because it's going to be three jobbers, an excuse to get the acclaimed on TV. I'll watch the rap and then, boom, fast forward for three minutes. Ooh, four if you include the fact that they'll probably do some coming up later in the show. Oh, I've got at least f- maybe five minutes around to skip. And it went on and on. It's, like, oh, it's an actual feature match of sorts. And then I started to rewind it when I, cause I was going right, bang, bang. Oh, this is going on. Oh, no, it's a match. Oh, it's a match. Rewind, watch, analyze. Oh, there's nothing to it anyway. <laughs> yeah, the, the highlight of this was Iron Savage just talking about eating ass in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that didn't get born three weeks ago. You need to give some sort of story to the trios champs. You don't want to give a handful of point? Oh, those trios titles don't work. Mm, fairly certain there. There's this famous... Uh, Program, you might have heard of it. It's called the Fabulous Freebirds versus the Von Erics. I think trios titles matches actually can be a business generating thing. You can do maybe a seminal, unforgettable job with trios action. And then I see something like this, and I think, no, you're completely right, Hamflip. You are completely and utterly right. <laughs> uh, we get a video package on Shane Taylor and Keith Lee. You remember him? No. Uh, <laughs> No, I literally forget every time I see him. <laughs> and I'm reminded, oh, yeah, yeah. They've uh, got a history, obviously, for in Ring of Honor. Uh, Taylor's pissed off that people think Lee's better than him. And Lee says, run. And I think, cool, see you in three weeks, lads. Yeah. I really want to be invested in this. I don't, I don't care anymore. Uh, right. Timeless Tony Storm time. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's in there against Kiara Hogan. 
Um, I did see parts of this match actually getting clipped and shared online. Um, not the finish, but uh, another spot we'll get to. Yeah, I'm not into this part of the Tony Storm act. <laughs> Tony Storm being a bit of a grabber. <laughs> Tony Storm ass stuff. Feeling up ass and kissing people. I don't like she it. Whipped, she got whipped on her ass as well by Kiara. I don't like it. I did like Obviously, sorry, I'm not suggesting, if you haven't seen Collision, she grabbed Kira Hogan's arse to, like, stop her or something. She bit her, I think. Bit, at one, bit her in the arse and the grabbed finish. it with both hands. I'm not suggesting for a moment that this spot wasn't agreed upon. Yes. I'm not suggesting for a moment that they probably, between the two of them, have had, like, a bit of a laugh and thought, oh, that would be funny. An ass for an ass, I suppose, because <laughs> Kiara whipped her on the outside. Yeah. Just don't think it's. Uh, I just don't like it. Just doesn't sit right with me, mm. especially in the. Hang on one second. Only women's match on the show, and uh, it just. I'm not saying it's not their idea. I'm not saying yeah, that a yeah, bunch yeah. of blokes have said I should do that. It's funny, but like you know, what if you've been touched inappropriately in your life and you mm. see this? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I did like the bit at the beginning of the match where Tony Storm offered Hogan a script. Did you see? the screenshot of the script that went no. rounds. A fan had been given one, or it's weird its way around somehow. It's so good. It's it's written in like that, all in the middle, yep. central text of the exact same font with which you would write. Interior, a, AW Collision. Yes, that's what it says. Interior, it? AW Collision. It's like the whole bit, like exactly like how you'd have to format it, where you used <laughs> to submit it. So they've gone to the trouble of doing that. There's this bit where... She tells the commentators what to say, and it's like the illustrious. I'm just uh, uh, paraphrasing, yeah. but it's like the illustrious, timeless Tony Storm makes her way to the ring. The commentators say this, this, and this. There's a bit where so it's got interior collision, Tony Storm. It's a bit when it's got referee call on. This is brilliant. <laughs> so the idea of the referee just saying that. That's just, I found it here. Shout out to Sean Rossaf who shared this. Uh, Kira Hogan, good luck, Miss Storm. Tony Storm, thank you, darling, but I shall not need it. For lucky is the life I lead to be so heavenly blessed as to have a platform and such a formidable of an opponent tailored to showcasing my humblest of skills. Referee, this is wonderful. Yes. And then it says, uh, referee, later on, referee, one, two, three, audience, brava. <laughs> She's ready for a close-up. She is. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a hip attack off the apron. Storms gets caught in the ropes, effectively. Uh, Hogan's on the outside, chops her bum, whips it with her hair, I think. Uh, Hogan comes back with a crossbody for a near fall. Storm begs off and then sends Hogan into the turnbuckle and manages to hit a hip attack off the apron. And uh, Storm looks down the camera and says, stay tuned as we go to a break. Come back. Hogan comes back with a hip attack and a sliding kick for a near fall. Storm hits sky high and uh, gets two, but uh, goes after the referee when he won't count three. Um, Hogan rolls up Storm, uh, hits a step-up guillotine leg drop for a two count as well. Then Storm bites her ass. It's a hip attack. Storm zero, one, two, three. And she does that, ready for my close-up thing in the corner. And the camera zooms in on her maniacal face. Uh, again, my problems with the... Uh Grab spots, notwithstanding, again, like Tony Storm was just, just made it. This is all clicking. The match itself was just another character vehicle. But there's always like that last minute where, even though it just exists for one purpose, you think, bloody hell, this match is really good. It doesn't have to be. It should just be a straightforward win. Um, she is getting, 
Can't say a superstar reaction because superstars tend to play in buildings with more than 2,500 people in them, and it's so dark. But nonetheless, the people who are there are, like, so into it. Yeah. And I'm into it as well. Um, there's not much else to say, is no. there? No. Uh, we go backstage. Renee Paquette's there with Ruby Soho, who's complaining about Hikaru Shida cheating to beat her. She says, don't worry, I'll be there. Ringside to help Soraya on Tattle Tuesday. Um, but Paquette's like, you've been banned from ringside. And she's like, oh, well, I'm still sure I'll be fine. Glad to cut a promo then. Don't waste of time. <laughs> ROH world title on the line next. Eddie Kingston versus Commander. Um, Commander outpaces him to start, sends him out to the floor, so Kingston just walks out the way of a dive. Um, but Commander gets him in a Cobra twist when Kingston gets back in the ring. Uh, Kingston gets the ropes and just starts chopping the crap out of him. Uh, machine gun chops and then a T-bone suplex that takes us to a break. Commander hits a spinning back heel kick and a standing moonsault for a two count. Um, Kingston gets sent out to the floor and Commander uses the corner post to vault over the top and dive onto Kingston. Uh, oh my God. Love that. Bit of subversion. Yeah. Commander hits a four, step up 450 um, for another two count. Kingston cuts him off though um, and uh, it looks like he's hoying... Uh, Commander off the top with a superplex, but Commander sort of reverses in midair to get a near fall, which was really good. Uh, and then Kingston hits him with a urinagi, two count, Lariat, another two count. Uh, Commander ducks a back fist and hits a handspring DDT to get uh, a near fall for him. But then Kingston catches Commander with a huge back fist and gets the one, two, three, retaining the world title. The good news is that I thought this was really strong. I think it was the best Commanders looked in AEW so far. They played the expected story really well, where Kingston was overwhelmed uh, by this sort of unpredictable attack pattern from Commander. And it was Commander's fault. Oh, I'll chop you. He's like, no, right, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. They just chopped him. The chops were great. So they told a nice story of the Styles Clash and Kingston getting, once again, like annoyed into winning almost. The same thing happened with Shibata. Um, so I like this a lot, even though it wasn't anything I wasn't expecting. Just the best version of itself, probably. Bad news, right? Is that I watched this with my eight-year-old son, James. Um, and he quite likes the wrestling. Mm. Not so much that he'll ask me to put it on or he'll seek it out in his own time, but just somebody knows that his dad likes and he'll happily watch it with us. And sometimes he can get really into it. He watched this, and no word of a lie, I'm not making up a child to bury AEW because only a complete lunatic would do that, yeah. Adam Wilborn, right? <laughs> yeah. My son watched this match and was like, why is he trying to catch him? Like, the idea is you're meant to be like getting attacked from the skies. An eight-year-old kid can... I'm not making this up. I do not want to be conflated with a bad faith critic yeah, yeah. who would make up these ridiculous things. I want this promotion to succeed more than anything. I'm just telling people the truth. My eight-year-old kid watched it with me, my beautiful son James, and he out loud said, why is he trying to catch him? Uh, you can't make the eight-year-olds believe. What are we doing here? <laughs> Right, the uh, the main event was uh, Adam Copeland responding to Christian Cage. Hey, James, stick around. The guy's going to tell no one to go f*** himself. <laughs> um, Copeland comes out, obviously, to a huge reaction. Huge. And uh, thanks, Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim Ross is on commentary. I forgot to mention that earlier. Just, uh, I, 
I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I get in trouble. <laughs> what a gig. Yeah, no, I was thinking that. There was a bit with Jim Ross. It must have been, must have been during the ROH World Title match where he was putting over Commander, to be fair, saying, oh, I thought he was sensational in the, the four-way. I think it was this. I think it was what he was talking about. And he said, oh, yeah, I was watching that on my flight over. And I was thinking, oh, God, yeah, you'll have flown over just for this, what, 20 minutes of television? Like doing one pod a week. <laughs> does he do Rampage? I haven't. Who knows? I, I've no, watched no it one does. <laughs> no one watches. Why do I watch the show, Paul? Why do I watch the show? Why do I watch the show, Tone? Why do I watch the show? I mean, just, uh, Rampage what I'm already on, but just for one podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he thanks Jim Ross for uh, signing into his first contract all those years ago. And he says, look, didn't exactly go to plan what happened on uh, Dynamite with Christian Cage. Um, he says, but look, you know, I've talked about this before, but I'll, it's still amazing to me. And I think it's still amazing to all of us, to be honest. Nine years ago, he was told, never wrestle again. If you fall over, you could die, let alone wrestle. Um Christine Cage spent seven years on the sidelines as well, and I had a horrible flashback to when it was like, oh, my God, Christine Cage is going to work a match in WWE. Lights off, lights on. Oh, he's, he's lying down, and oh, he's lost. Oh, thanks, thanks very much. You get low blowed, actually, from Ric Flair, if I remember. Something like that, yeah. It was dark times. Um, he says, look, we'd had this conversation. We talked for many years about eventually teaming back up again, and then as time went went on, he became more of an arsehole, effectively. He stopped talking to me so much. Um, I need some answers. Christian, come out, mate. But he doesn't come out. Christian appears on the video screen, laughs off the request and says, look, I'll give you your answers on Tuesday. Um, but are you even going to make it there? And here comes Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. Uh, but Copeland knows what's coming. They tried this the other day, uh, of course, on Dynamite. Spears Luchasaurus off the apron, hits the... Uh, Education on Nick Wayne, which is now called the Copacution. Do something else. <laughs> Why it doesn't have to be a pun with his name. His name no longer lends itself to crap wrestling move puns for finishes. Why is this the law? You know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. No. I'm trying to think of like I understand that they love their puns. Maybe that's why Hamlet likes wrestling so much. <laughs> Skits, puns, and attire. <laughs> they if, that was if fast you, lane, pretty much. I nah. If you have to Copelocution, just call it something else. The 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 coping mechanism. And no, I don't I know. You don't have to do cope. That's why you're wrong. Okay. Um, adamant. I don't know. What else? Is there any other one? Adam? Adam? I don't know. But yeah, copelocution that got me. <laughs> Why? <sighs> what? <laughs> He says Nick Wayne up for a spear. Luchasaurus cuts him off, though, hits him with a huge choke slam. The extinction from behind lays him out, and uh, they go out, out and under the ring, get some chairs. They kind of um, concerto this old guy. Uh, but here comes Darby Allen to make the save. He takes out Luchasaurus, um, gets a chair, but oh, can't do it. <laughs> can't hit Nick Wayne with a chair. Um that allows Wayne to see an opportunity as he's distracted by Luchasaurus trying to get back in. Wayne drop kicks Darby Allen. Luchasaurus just wrecks him, rips the arm brace thing that Darby Allen's got on, uh, and they can chair toe his arm and stand tall over the corpses of Adam Copeland and Darby Allen to close the show. Is that a similar thing to Cash, where that's a write off, but 
we're going to do an angle to write him off instead of just saying, oh, he's done, he's on, I don't know. Do not know. Um, bit weird, bit weird again. This is fine. Didn't necessarily need to go in the main event, but we know why it did. Yeah. His name value. Um, it was basically get Edge on the show and give fans an incentive to watch the next episode of Dynamite. That's content form stuff. It's the second week. I've got every, genuinely, I've got every um, hope that this will be tremendous. Like the first uh, go F yourself thing was tremendous. This was just what you're going to get in a content form era. You're going to get certain weeks where nout happens that you've not already seen because you need to fill TV time. You can get away with it because Copeland's still so popular and yeah. over and fresh and, and, and interesting in this context, but I can't say this was anything. No, it was... See you on Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on AW Collision. On AW uh, At what culture WWE watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at what culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, the Fastlane review is available right now. We're going to be previewing men and hour. Got my later, thoughts on Fastlane. Go on. I'll have to go to the raw preview for that. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and make sure if you haven't done so already, you subscribe to the What Culture Wrestling podcast on YouTube. Big stuff tomorrow, big stuff throughout this week, and a huge announcement on tomorrow's Raw review as well. But for now, this has been the Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 